When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, Craig Baird here. Before I begin today's story, I want to take a moment and ask that you check me out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. There are several tiers with great benefits, from ad-free content to t-shirts and other cool stuff. And I have plenty of wonderful merch in my store, and the link is in my show notes. As well, if you're a fan of Canadian history, make sure you check out all of my shows, from John to Justin, Canadian History X, Canada, A Yearly Journey, and Pucks and Cups, along with Canada's Great War. And don't forget, you can also donate directly to the show at www.canadaehx.com. Just click Donate. It helps keep this show going. Okay, on with the show. I'm Craig Baird, and this is From John to Justin. Before I get to the episode, I want to mention that in March, I'm hitting three years since I started podcasting full-time. And I want to do a Q&A episode, so I'll answer questions about Canadian history, about myself. Just email craig at canadaehx.com. The life of British Columbia's fourth premier began on June 22, 1829 in Ireland. On November 11, 1851, he began to attend law school in England and was called to the bar in 1854. In 1858, he was in the chambers at the Inner Temple Lane, but the next year he was offered the chance to move to British Columbia to practice law, and in June 1859 he was admitted to the Bar of British Columbia. In British Columbia, he soon found there was no county court system, and he expected to not stay long in the colony. In September of 1859, Governor James Douglas, whose son, Elliot's daughter, would marry, told him he was establishing a county court system. Upon learning this, Elliot accepted the appointment as the county court judge for Yale and Hope. He proved to be a formidable force against the unruly miners of the area, and he found he enjoyed living in British Columbia. In July 1861, he went back to England to get his wife Mary and their daughter. And in mid-1862, Elliot was suspended from his position due to a matter referred to as neglect in his accounts. However, he was soon reinstated to his former position. Soon after, Douglas offered him the position of gold commissioner and magistrate for the Lillooet district at double his previous salary. And while he was not enthused about moving to Lillooet, he chose to do so and quickly found he loved the area and the people there. He also earned the respect of the local indigenous people, who he also considered to be industrious and enterprising. When he was tasked with marking out the reserves, he made sure they had large land holding of well-watered pastured land. From 1865 to 1866, he served in the Colonial Assembly, and after the union of the island and mainland colonies, Elliot became the High Sheriff of the province in March 1867. The family then moved to Victoria, which was a major change from the interior of the British Columbia mainland. The Victoria Daily Standard reported, A.C. Elliot Esquire is a high sheriff of the province and barrister at law, and he's received five out of six votes last evening and is therefore elected magistrate of this city, salary $1,500. He was then elected to the legislature on September 11, 1875 and was immediately the leader of the opposition. After George Wacom was defeated due to the motion of no confidence, Elliot became the fourth premier of the province on February 4, 1876. As he came into the post, he had gained a reputation of honesty and gentlemanly behaviour. The editor of the Victoria Chronicle said, Nearly 20 years in office and not rich. 
As the 1876 election approached, only a few weeks after he became Premier, most expected Elliot to win. On February 21, 1876, his government won the provincial election. He had campaigned on obtaining the fulfillment of the Carnarvon terms, which were a compromise between the province and Canada that included building a railroad on Vancouver Island in return for the federal government getting an extension on its 10-year agreement to build the railroad. In the election, Elliot was able to take his own riding with 163 votes over his opponent, and this was a far larger majority than his contemporaries had in the same election. The Nanaimo Daily News reported, Such was the result of the contested election of Victoria and British Columbia has now a new premier to control her destinies. Looking at the province's finances, he found that the province was deeply in debt and in financial freefall. To deal with the need to grow the treasury, pay for rising school costs, and repairs to the Caribou Road, he instituted real estate, income, and school taxes. He also imposed road tolls that were abolished in 1871. While this improved the finances of the province, it was deeply unpopular. In April 1876, he announced the changes that were coming. These included the tax on real and personal property at a rate of less than 1%, the toll that was already mentioned, the school tax of $3 per head on each male student, and the abolishment of the Road Tax Act. A special tax would instead be imposed on commercial travellers. In June 1876, Lord Dufferin, the Governor-General of Canada, came on a goodwill tour of British Columbia. He said of Elliot, A Dublin lawyer of respectable, but I should say no more than respectable ability. Rumours began to swirl around the province that Elliot was going to resign. On July 29, 1876, the Nanaimo Daily News reported that Elliot had been offered and accepted a county court judgeship. Of course, this proved to be untrue as he remained on as Premier. Unfortunately, the federal government was not living up to its promises with the railroad, and in May 1878, the island railroad proposal was abandoned. The loss of that railroad destroyed Elliot's popularity in his home riding of Victoria. His predecessor, Wacom, called him a traitor to the province in the legislature, and Elliot was dealing with problems within his own ministry. In 1876, he had had to dismiss his own finance minister for being uncooperative, and as president of the Executive Council for advocating a railway policy that differed from Elliot's. At this point, Elliot was very unpopular in the province. A public meeting was even held in Victoria on March 12, 1877, in which a resolution was passed asking for Elliot to resign from his position as Premier. The fact that his government raised taxes and did not secure a railway terminus in Victoria led to his loss in the 1878 election. Not only did it bring down his government, he also lost his seat, ending his political career. Only eight of his supporters were returned in the election, and on June 25, 1878, he resigned as Premier. After his retirement, Elliot decided to obtain the pension he felt he was entitled to as a former colonial officer. He even met with Prime Minister Sir John A. Macdonald over the matter, but he was not successful. In May 1879, he launched a libel case against the Victoria Standard, stating that the paper accused him of suppressing a railway dispatch from the Canadian government in June 1876. Elliot stated he knew nothing of the dispatch, never saw it, nor heard of it, until February of 1876. In 1881, his beloved wife died when he was in London, and two years later he was the pallbearer at his own son-in-law's funeral. And through these final years, he suffered in poor health, and he spent time in San Francisco as three physicians felt the climate of British Columbia was bad for him and he died on April 9, 1889 in San Francisco from heart disease. The Nanaimo Daily News reported, For a number of years, Mr. Elliot was a conspicuous figure in the political arena in the province, and for several years as Premier. The government, however, resigned through controversy arising of the construction of the CPR. His remains were brought back to Victoria and buried on April 15th after a service at Pioneer Hall on Government Street in Victoria. A large number of members of the BC Pioneer Society attended the funeral, as did the legal community and several politicians.
I hope you enjoyed that episode in our look at Andrew Elliott. Information from Canadian Encyclopedia, Biography, Nanaimo Daily News, Victoria Daily Times, Wikipedia, Daily Evening Press, and the Victoria Daily Standard. If this is your first time listening and you like what you heard, please take a moment and give us a five-star review to help other people find these amazing stories. And there are so many you can sink your teeth into. We also love hearing from you, so if you have a show topic you want me to cover, email me at craig at canadaehx.com or stop by my website and social media. I'll include all of those links in the show notes.